Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Round Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode is called Smashed Out, as we're going to be discussing, A, whether or not we've started to distance ourselves from Smash a bit, and B, can the new DLC that just came out actually bring us back in? Because the thing is, August is like, I don't know, it's like this weird like DLC month for Nintendo, or really the first week of August is this DLC month, where they start off with Smash Bros., and they then rolled out immediately thereafter and rolled out the Splatoon updates. So we're going to kind of divide them up between the episodes to make sure we give each a fair shake. So this episode, we're talking about the Smash DLC with update impressions and a discussion. And then, you know, the idea of do we feel any sort of fatigue towards Smash? And if so, we spoiler alert, we may. And if so, is this enough to draw us back in? And then next episode, we'll talk about Splatoon and how it's more of a full, fully featured thing as DLC. So I'll make sure we can actually play it. But in this episode, besides that, we also have um, some game news. We have potentially the first NX game announcement, that's kind of unexpected. We have um, some surprise good financial for Nintendo, a lot to say about Amiibo, some Dragon Quest news, Final Fantasy news, my number 9 news, and hands-on impressions of that game that's not out till now, 2016. So, uh, timestamps, if you're interested in any of that. And you definitely want to stick around to the end as we announce the winner of our huge uh, Smash Bros. DLC bundle, which... We're throwing in some extra stuff beyond what we announced, so the winner's getting even more than what we put, what we told you you're gonna get. So surprise! It's know. random, Nintendo. Uh, but yeah, so we all that we were surprised too. All that is coming later in the show. But first, we should probably talk about that Smash update since it's both. Usually, we do like a what we're playing, but it's also one of the bigger things Nintendo's done these last couple weeks. So it kind of doubles as news. So um, and it's fitting that you know we're giving away Smash Bros. DLC this episode. We're talking about Smash Bros. and its DLC. So so yeah, so um. So first of all, okay, so Smash Bros. has been out for what? Uh, eight months, nine months, something like that? Perfect and, long time. Yeah, and you've certainly been more involved in the Smash world than I have. I mean, I play it with you guys, I play it at home occasionally. Yeah, I feel like I've seen pretty much everything that there is to see. Yeah, like you you were part of online groups, you were part of... like I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about how just how deep into the Smash world you got? Or, like, cause I, I mean, I know about it, but I don't know if you ever mentioned it to yeah. our listeners. I got to the point where... I did start going to some local tournaments. I was doing okay, but it it got to the point where I had to decide, like, all right, if I keep this up, I do have to start going to more tournaments, not just local ones. It's, you're, you're at the... It started getting to the point where it, it got too time-consuming, and I had to just scale it back, because if I'm playing Smash Bros. this much, it has to be... I, I guess, like, go big or go home mentality. I right. There's no in-between for it, especially for, I guess, the kind of games we, like, for the kind of gamers Jason and I are, like, we have, we, we like keeping up with every major release, we like playing other games. The, to play Smash Bros. this way is mainly for the type of people that only play Smash Bros. and that's it. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to just play Smash Brothers. And, yeah, since Smash Bros. has been out for, like we said, like, about eight months, it has reached that point where... We, well, I probably said I've reached that point like five times already. Um, <laughs> we we have come to that time. There comes a time. There's a time in every <laughs> every man's life. There comes a time when um, <laughs> and women's, or all of a sudden I just play Smash Bros for like thirty minutes. We use like only our favorite characters, and then we're like, well, all right, what's next? All right, let's go space between now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which right now is actually Resident Evil Revelations Two, which was for everything but a Nintendo console. But that's something else. 
Yeah, so, but it's, it's it's funny because like you chose. I mean, as everyone that as anyone who's listened to our show for more than a couple episodes knows. Yeah, I really like Nintendo. Yeah, I'm really big on video games, but I'm not like the most hardcore player. Like you're the hardcore player. I'm the guy that's like the armchair analyst and just love the Nintendo news and everything. But you're definitely the gamer. So it's kind of funny that like like for me, Smash has always been kind of like it's a fun thing to do with friends. But for you to hit this like pivot point, the either like go big go home point now, right as they release the next wave of actual like features of the game, is kind of funny. In terms of like, well, I mean, I, mean? The, I mean, the features of the game wouldn't have really affected my decision one way or another right. because, I mean, if you're going to tournaments, you're just going to play with whatever content is in the game, whether they added yeah. new or old. I mean, all the all that content does is just, I don't know, I guess, in that same scenario where Elvis and I play for 30 minutes, now it just gives it like, oh, we have two new maps to play. So, we'll yeah. just play those two new maps, but the length of time we play doesn't really change. Right, right. I mean, the only way it would change even more... Or the only drastic change they could give mm-hmm. is if they add a character that both him and I actually really, really, like, click with. That could potentially change it, but, I mean, if they add Wolf or if they add, I don't know, uh, Inkling or something, I mean, that may or may not change anything at all. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of already set our ways. The game's just that old. Yeah, although it is kind of funny that, like, like I was saying, uh, I mean, yeah, it's not going to necessarily change, but it was like, this was, I mean, Nintendo obviously wasn't like, how do we keep Angel engaged? But it's kind of funny that like, well, this I mean, is happening, right? They, as they roll out features that you originally were super excited for, tournament mode. Well, the thing, I mean, I was really excited for them because they would have made things that we already do with our friends but then they a lot up, easier. And then they screwed Like, one up. of the biggest things that I'm sure I've mentioned to you before, that, that <laughs> my brother and another friend that, I guess, played Smash, well, that played Smash for as much <laughs> as we do. Something that we'd love to do is just, like, make our own tournaments, just, like, between us three. Sometimes right. there's, like, a fourth person. But before in Brawl, like, we would use the tourney mode. We would, each, we would each pick three characters that would represent us, and they would essentially be our life. Like, once, like, Bowser's out, I still have Rob and right. Lucario or something. But And, and, and then Nobles would win, and then that'd be that. Yeah. But um, because Smash 4 didn't have that, we had to use um, Challenge.com. That's mm-hmm. Challenge with a no at the end. And we'd have to use... We've been using that over and over again, and it's kind of tedious to, like, just type out all the names, because we have to keep track of it somehow to make it fair. Right. But And we were hoping tournament mode would alleviate that, because they were never 100% clear whether it was only going to be online, yeah. or at least kind of be both. But at the turn out... And the out, answer is... At the turn out, it was not only... Not only was it online only... But they botched that. Yeah, you can't even... Well, you could create your own tournaments, but they can only be free-for-all four-player tournaments. Now, in theory... With these tournaments, which are Miiverse driven, they're they're ba- you know they're built in Miiverse. They're called community tournaments. They, uh, for those who don't know, and they um, they're very very reminiscent of kind of like how Mario Kart Eight does its custom matches, where you kind of pick your rules and put out a thing, and people can join it, right? Yeah. But Mario Kart lets you go on super. Yeah, that's the thing. That. Is this so? Not only does this not let you customize as much. There's no special Smash options. There's it is four on four, but in theory, if you don't get enough people, you could do three or two. But it's technically designed for four, so you're kind of like jerry-rigging it. You're like purposely sabotaging your match if you want a smaller match. And it's the the bracket, there's no bracket system, it's points, kind of like Mario Kart. In other words, it's not at all a tournament mode, it's like a build-your-own-special-lobby mode. Yeah, I mean, the best thing it does have going for it, which I guess is like the only, well, I wouldn't say it's redeeming as much as it is, um, makes it suck less. Yeah. Is that, um, they do have something called regular tournaments that... You can't alter in any way. You just hop in on them, and these are created by Nintendo, like on a timer basis. Like essentially, there's always going to be like three one versus one, four glory style tournaments yeah. going on at once. 
And when those are done, there'll be another three, like just going but, on forever. Yeah. And you join those, you do the essentially the tournaments you would want to be able to create on your own. So the system is set up to have one versus one tournaments. It's just Nintendo with a bracket, and it has a really nice setup. Like it has like the nice like oh tournament begin, and it has like a cool little like title screen effect. Like everything just looks really really nice. And you it's just like, have no control over it and, whatsoever. Yeah, and it's like exactly what we would have wanted for us to have control over, but. We can't. It's like we're just sitting through, like behind like a glass window, like looking on the other side. And what's weird about that is they even managed to kind of screw up that. Like I was reading, Kotaku put together this great article about like why the competitive scene is annoyed about the new brackets that Nintendo's doing. And they like they were listing like just to borrow some of the stuff they were talking about. They were listing that like sure there's one on one, but they're two stock three minutes, and for Glory, for example, is five minutes. So why would Nintendo shrink the amount of time it takes? Three minutes if you're playing against someone good. You're not necessarily... If you're on, like, even footing, you're not going to finish a match in three minutes. It's going to time out almost every time. No, yeah, it does. It just doesn't... That doesn't make sense. I actually played a... a, The first tournament I entered as Bowser, um, I didn't have any timeouts, but there definitely was... um, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I'm, like, the best, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. um, But you are. No, no, definitely not. I know. But um, I managed to, like, beat my opponents pretty... Like, that's the point where there were no timeouts. But then the tournament I entered today, the gap... The skill gap was definitely a lot closer, and... I think I only only the grand final match I managed to win, like just barely. Like actually got to take out both of their lives. All the mm-hmm. other matches were because of timeout. Every single one. Which is stupid because like it obviously these brackets are for competitive purposes. Like yeah, you want to actually compete, yeah, not. I, I think that's not probably, getting a finger um, wag because you took too long. That's probably their second like outside of not making this an offline option. Mm-hmm. That's probably yeah, that's definitely the second biggest oversight. Just the three minute time. Especially after, like, they themselves, like, put five minutes. Five minutes. But then again, that's something they can customize, much like, yeah. I assume, the stage selection, Yeah, they can which... definitely tweak. Right now, stage selection is only file destination, right? Well, and the Omega. Well, I mean, just Omega versions of stages. But, but they do have the other Omegas, because um, the archives are in Kokaku. I haven't tried it myself, but they were saying, like, no Battlefield, no Smashville, no Town and City. It was just like, here's file destination in Omega. Have fun. No, I mean, I fought so in... You think, okay, so they I are tweaking in, it I fought then. in different stages that were amazing. So they're already tweaking it. That's good, because... Yeah, I fought in Pokemon Stadium. I fought in Donkey Kong. Right, right. Jumbo okay, so they are... Because, yeah, this article is from shortly after the DLC came out, which at this point's already, like... Well, I mean, know, I, eight, I, I, mean I, did, I did tournament mode, um... I guess it must have been last Monday? Uh-huh. And they already had other stages? Yeah. In. Now, one one final well, thing... because it just lists them as, um... Large, medium, or small. Ah, okay. Like, that's it. Right. Um... There was something else I was going to say. There was one final stupid thing. How about oh, the fact that there's a right. start time? No, 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 no. That, okay. <laughs> um, so, back to the three-minute thing. There are no sudden deaths. So... It can actually end in an actual tie? No. Basically, okay. what they, basically what they do is... um, Let's say you kill your opponent really fast, so you just got, like, a really good gimp. So, you, like, grab them, throw them on the stage, um, gimp their recovery, and they die. Sure, sure. And then, for whatever reason, um, they never get to they do like 200 damage on you before they kill your first life yeah and then time runs out and you're both like let's say like at 30 percent um that guy's gonna win or that guy wins because he did more damage to you it goes by damage so whoever did the most damage just wins the match even if you like killed them really early or you were at some like you were at a clear advantage but so the the actual lives don't matter total damage yeah interesting so it doesn't really reward survivability, because I mean, someone that you can't play defensively and succeed. In other words, yeah, because if you're weird. defensive, you're not going to lay that much damage down, and then you're going to lose. 
Yeah, so at least it, in Nintendo sanctioned brackets, you gotta be on the offensive all the time. Sort of. I mean, it also means that like someone could, like, if both of you are down to one life, that means someone could just like attack someone until they're at the lower percentage. No, not even lower. Just until they know they have done more damage, and then just run away until time runs out. And depending, see, on, and depending, on, and saying, depending yeah. on what character you pick, you can easily just like time out the clock. Huh. So. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's, a mess. Yeah, and then there's also the fact that, um, so brackets start at specific times, but then won't start until they're full. So you can just be sitting there. If for some reason the bracket's not popular, you can in theory be sitting there for like 45 minutes just waiting. I mean, at most waiting. I wouldn't have to wait 20 minutes, but... 20 minutes is still a really long time. But I mean, I just do something else. You could go for glory and be in in like half a minute or one minute. Yeah, I mean, the only, I guess like, reason I feel people would want to do tournament mode is just to be able to say like, okay, I'd be four different people back to back. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, I guess the, the silver lining of even if the tournament mode doesn't offer what they want or in this case isn't enough to like draw someone who may be distancing themselves from the game back into the game is that at least it's a different approach to the game a little. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not exactly the same as Foreglory. Like maybe there's something to be said yeah, in a positive way fair, that it's... Which is nice. Yeah, and like that it's only a three-minute match versus a five-minute match. That changes... The fact that the damage thing you were talking about, that changes strategies. Like, you have to think different when you play these brackets versus just for glory mode. So maybe the silver lining of this is, it's different, it's weird, people don't like it, but they don't like it because it's different and weird. And maybe different and weird is what Nintendo wanted to do to offer more variety in the game. Sex for characters like Bowser, because, like, they... I mean, Bowser and, like, other, like, Ganondorf and Diddy, like, they're really slow, and it takes a lot of damage to kill them. Right. And they're usually the kind of characters that kill at low percentages. Like, they only land, like, maybe, like, six, seven hits, and then you're dead. Right. But, so those kind of characters are probably going to suffer the most, because they're just going to keep but, taking on damage and damage and damage. But to play Devil's Advocate to your point, maybe that's Nintendo's idea. Maybe it's like, well, let's get people out of their comfort zone and have them use characters they wouldn't normally use. Yeah, but what if you just want to play with your favorite character? Then do like, for glory. Just, just, I'm just being Devil's Advocate. I think, I think it's weird that they're doing it this way, but I'm saying I could see if they're trying to diversify the game more. This is by honestly not, way to do it. By making certain characters... I mean, what if, like... Not necessarily making them worse or better, but I mean, by what just if you making don't even, people have to choose different things Well, what if you reasons. don't even play as those characters... And then you, then just you wanna... gotta learn, and they're gonna milk more time. They're gonna, you're gonna spend more time. That's in the game. It. So, so you're saying if you play those characters, I'm being you have advocate. to learn to play something else. Hold on. And if you weren't playing those characters, you just have to say continue to stay away from them. I, I'm being devil's advocate, but I see the loophole in my logic. Yes, <laughs> never mind. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I think the whole thing, I, it's questionable at best. I mean, I, I still think, like I said, that the, much thought into it. No, no. But the, and I'm sure, like we said, they can't tweak it. So. Maybe they'll start changing time. Maybe they'll start changing stuff. I'm not sure they made it three minutes just so tournaments could run at a, a little faster. quicker. Yeah, but it's, it's still weird. And then the other head scratcher they did with Smash Bros, which is another thing that the potential potential is so great, and then it kind of underwhelmed is replays. So those can be uploaded to YouTube now, and they announced it in June, and it was like, hey, check it out. You play, uh, YouTube replays just like Mario Kart's gonna be great. What they didn't tell you until it came out is your max three minute you have a maximum of three minutes replays and there's no way if you do an eight minute epic oh that's why tournament mode is three minutes so you can put the replay makes sense now yeah but but no but the thing is like if you have like an eight minute battle I so many unfinished matches i know yeah if you have an eight minute battle um and you want to show like two minutes of it they're awesome there's no way to edit it it's either the battle has to be under three minutes like subtle marketing for elgato capture gaming cards Possibly. I'm sure Nintendo... They're like, oh, you want more than three minutes? Go we should, we should do an investigative report and see if Nintendo invested in a capture card company right before releasing this. But, uh, but yeah, that just struck me as kind of weird. Because, I mean, I think Brawl actually is the same way. You could share replays 
through the message board of, of the Wii with Wii Connect 24 where you send them to a friend. I think those also maxed out at three minutes, but you're not sharing those to YouTube to show game highlights. You're saying them to a friend for something kind of funny. If you want to like show a highlight, they should. If they're gonna limit the time, they should at least let you edit it. Like Mario Kart, you could choose different editing options. Granted, the times are preset; and you can't really select exact scenes. But there's gotta be some sort of algorithm they could plug into Smash that does something similar, like big hits or whatever, and it looks for really powerful smashes, and it could do a compilation of those or something, right? Easy like, to do, yeah. yeah, like this is a very weird like half step where it's just kind of. Like, yeah, um, I mean, well, we cool. hope you're really like, good in thirty in ninety seconds. Because then at least maybe like they could give us different camera angles and just stuff like that. Yeah, like there, this is awesome. definitely an underbait. I feel maybe like both, add like and then like for the finishing hit, it's always like a slow mo or something. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the, I feel like both of these new features with Nintendo, which Nintendo's hyped up Mark pretty TV heavily. Should have been in Smash Netflix, TV. Yeah. Should have been Smash TV. But I there's well, already well maybe that's why because there was a Super Nintendo game called Smash TV. Well, they could just call it Smash Bros. TV, SB TV, not yeah. that hard. But, um, no, I was going to say that I feel like Nintendo overhyped these a little. Like, it's great that they're adding stuff to the game. Did they even and it's great that it's free. Like barely, it was always, like, a footnote in every announcement. No, I mean, like, oh, maybe. You, YouTube it, was, but tournament mode they've been talking about since the game came out. Every time maybe, they announced the DLC, they're like, still coming, tournament mode. Yeah, but it felt like it was always, like, that last slider. They're like, oh, yeah, there's also tournament mode. Oh, that's true. It didn't even get, like... That's true. I didn't it, think it, it was always way. just, like, kind of thrown in. They're like, oh, don't forget about tournament mode. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right. Maybe there's a reason it was a footnote, and maybe that reason. I mean, because I remember saying like, "Oh, like, big. like, oh, where's tournament mode?" Like, it wasn't even mentioned in this one, even though That's it was right. mentioned That's in right. the previous direct. That's right. You're right. But um, yeah, I know. Like, it wasn't clear if it was even going to be released this August until like until until the day before in Japan in a tweet. Yeah. You know, that's actually a whole another thing. Is the way Nintendo's been pumping out news these last couple weeks: Splatoon update, the Smash Bros update, the uh, what else did they announce? The uh, Amiibo release dates, which we'll talk about later. All of that normally, I feel like, would be in a Nintendo Direct, but I suspect they're putting those on hold for a little bit while they figure out what to do now that uh, Iwata's no longer around. Uh, he's passed away. So, it's definitely, like, Nintendo's marketing has been very scattershot these last couple of weeks, when it's usually very honed in. It's just like, here's 45 minutes of pure news. Enjoy. Now it's like, one day there's a little thing here, and another little thing there on another day. And it's, it's, it's different. I'm not used to Nintendo doing the same way. But, um, but, yeah, in terms of that, I feel like they were just checking boxes. I mean, it's great that Nintendo's actually making new free content and new free gameplay features for Smash this far after launch, but they're definitely kind of half-baked. And it's definitely not enough for someone, I feel like, for someone like you or even like me to suddenly get way more invested in Smash Bros. because it, it's just, it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, is it better than not having it at all? I, I mean, think it's a step in the I right mean, direction. Definitely not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice bonus. Yeah, it's, it's just a little it's just half-baked. for something that... I feel a lot of people like myself that have been waiting for it for a really long time. It definitely just did not deliver anything that we wanted. Yeah, except, for the, the, except for the effects. I mean, like I said, like everything does look snazzy and it's presented in a really cool way. But. Right now, on the flip side of all that, we should talk about the one good thing that came out of this update, which was the creativity of the me costume DLC. Like, I'm actually gonna pick up Sword Fighter just because of the right the costumes. That's just how cool. Yeah, well, selection. for those who don't know, real quick, so they announced alongside um, the actual gameplay features, they rolled out Peach's Castle and Hyrule Castle from Smash uh, Bros. on N64. It's coming with a new... Omega. A, a, not a brand new remix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is actually really cool. And also, in the case of Peach's Castle, it's really cool because they did the Omega stage, but what they did is instead of just doing a flat, you know, just flattening what was there, they actually recreated the carpeting from inside Peach's Castle from Mario 64 and kind of plopped it down on top. So it doesn't make sense if you think about it conceptually. Like, why is her, why is the carpet from the lobby or the main hall on the roof? But if you don't think why about that, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah. yeah. Mario I know, I know. But so I thought that was neat. And what they call Peach's Castle, but you're fighting like a hundred feet in the year away from above there. Peach's Castle in yeah. the back, which is in the background. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. But nonetheless, two Maybe bucks. Fixed it did, but it's uh, two bucks for either of those two stages, which isn't that bad. Um, they also announced a bunch of new costumes, which you're starting to touch on. And uh, one for updating the game, you get KK Slider for free, so you can skin him and wear him uh, for no cost. And you can also purchase a mix of other game referencing costumes. I really like what Nintendo's doing here. So they have a Samus, which is whatever, Flying Man from Earthbound, Crom from Fire. <laughs> Earth. Did I say Earthbound? <laughs> Earthbound. Uh, Flying Man from Earthbound, Crom from Fire Emblem Awakening. Lloyd of Tales of Symphonia, which is what you're about to talk about, and uh, perhaps the best Smash Bros. troll to date, bar none, is King K. Rules in the game as fans requested, but he's a me costume. That's worse than Ridley, I feel like. Like, the Ridley troll was pretty good. This is, like, next level. This is like, oh, guys, you make King K. Rool playable. Oh, great, where are his moves? Oh, it's, it's just a me fighter. Oh, or whichever one it is. But, like, Sakurai clearly loves trolling people. Like, it's so good. But, um, Lloyd, you were starting to talk about Lloyd. I mean, That's I cut funny you off. Like, there, I'm sure, like, if there wasn't this outcry, like, we would never have seen King K. Rool in any shape. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because that, that's the thing I love about this, real quick before we get to Lloyd, is I really like that they're, the Mi costumes give Nintendo. Like, it's a really cool way to acknowledge what fans want and also to provide additional, like, incite, Nintendo encyclopedia, so to speak, info into the game and additional references. Because, you know. Lloyd would never, of Tales of Symphonia, would never, ever, ever be a playable character in Smash Bros. game. He's not significant enough. But, you know, Tales of Symphonia is a big GameCube game. It is a very important game, like a Watershed game no, from GameCube. No, it's a DPS3 game. That too. And Namco developed Smash Bros. So it's like, oh, we could throw Lloyd in as a costume, and people that get the reference will appreciate it, and people that don't, it's just one more costume. Like, it's no, there's no huge development costs. It's a nice nod to fans. It doesn't cost much to get in your game. It's, it's like, I really like that they're making me costumes, not just like, oh, look, here's a Smash Bros. hoodie, although they're doing that one, too. But uh, but the fact that they're actually, like, addressing... Did you buy one of those hoodies if they were real? Possibly. But I don't wear hoodies anymore, so I wear a zip-up one, so probably not. But would you? Most likely. Yeah, who am I king? I'd buy one. But, um, but yeah, no, I just think it's really cool that, like, this is a, just another avenue of fan service that Nintendo could do in Smash, besides trophies, besides stages, playable characters, etc. They now have endless costumes to address any possible fan request and i know yeah, like they got all the mega man people that's true yeah they got all of them in there and that's something that they never would have been able to do if it was you know normal characters and in the case of like lloyd like that's something that like to me like i played tales and phone i'm like whatever i get the reference but you were kind of geeking out over how spot on it was right well, yeah because i mean tales and phone that was the first i guess tales game that really got me to the whole series and i'm already like five games into that series mm -hmm. Tales and was definitely really really cool and and even, like, before this, like, I really wanted... I mean, it was never going to happen, but, like, Lloyd was also a character I wanted in the game. And just, like, having someone with two swords would have been cool. Yeah. I felt like they could have done that if they had Toon Ganon, but... We didn't. Spoilers! From the second half of Wind Waker. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, and just as luck would have it, like, um, the Mii Fighter has... Um, I guess there's a move for every B-move that is essentially, like, ripped straight from Tales of Symphonia. Is it luck? Namco developed both. I don't know, I guess not. I mean, that's probably where they got a lot of their ideas from. I mean, yeah. you play Tilt and Symphonia almost the same way you play Smash Bros. You have your B move, your up B, side mm -hmm. B, and down B. Mm -hmm. And just so happens, like, oh, down B is sword range, except they call it rapid sword strike or whatever. Right. And they can't so make it too obvious. <laughs> yeah. And even, like, if... And they even have, um... I guess if you don't use that rapid sword attack, yeah. he could also throw, I guess, like, a little ring, like a hoop. Not the ring. 
which also looks just like the one that another character in Sonya uses as a projectile. Just throws like a ring and it just comes back. Right. It's so, like a boomerang that's fully formed. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Like, you can basically have a fully playable... You, you essentially do have a yeah. fully playable Lloyd. And see, that's what's so like, great about this one sword, but yeah. he's still, like, it's, it's, it's as loaded as Lloyd can get, which is really cool. And now you can scan the char- the Miis for these characters directly from the Smash Bros. website. I think you can do it. You've been able to do it for a while. but um, So you can get the Lloyd me or the me that looks kind of like Lloyd with the hair and everything. Yeah. And you really have Lloyd. Or you can get the super chibi-looking Crom and have him stick out like a store thumb compared to his other Fire Emblem cast members. But... Or characters, or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah like see, the dark, this is exactly... Like, like, the Dark Knight looks pretty cool, even though he's chibi, but... Yeah. This yeah. one is pretty cool. But see, that's this is exactly what I meant by, like, it's awesome fan service, because, like, you picked up on the Tales of Symphonia reference, you get the tie-in. I might not have noticed it, but it's an awesome little reward for you, and for those fans, and they can keep pumping these out endlessly. It made it worth paying... It made it worth buying the whole game. Yeah. But, no, but for, I, for that costume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I will say, that's the one... With all that said, I'm still not a big fan of the microtransactions, I'm going to be honest. Like, it's... I mean, it's it's a, it stings a little less when they do these bundles now, where you can get, like, in the case of this new DLC, both stages and all new costumes for 10 bucks on one system or 15 on both 3DS and Wii U, which isn't horrible. But then if you look at the fact, it's like, oh, I'm paying 75 cents per costume or whatever. Or, oh, I'm paying $15 for this content on both systems. Meanwhile, I pay $12 and get, you know, like a 50% bump in all of Mario Kart 8's content for that same price. Like, the pricing of these is still a little ridiculous, but the fact that they're doing fan service and everything almost, at least on a weird psychological level, makes it not quite as bad. I don't know, that's me being weird, but like, because it's definitely, you're not getting as much I don't bang know. for your buck I, I, I think, uh, it, I guess it depends. It depends on how much what you put on, like, costumes versus stages yeah. in Mario Kart, because they're, they're pretty different, and... Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, like I said, it's like a weird yeah. psychological thing to me, but... Like, if you stop and think about it, you're like, oh, cool, I have a skin for a character. I have six skins for a character in one new stage. Meanwhile, I have three new characters and three new tracks in Mario Kart for the same price. It's kind of like... I mean, it gets, it's whatever you prioritize, you're right. But just in terms of, like, raw like, I mean, if you gigabytes up... of data, there's definitely... It skews more in favor of Mario Kart in terms of better value. Well, yeah. But, but no, you, you make a... You make a but if you end up not liking, like, two of those stages in That's Mario Kart... That's a waste, Kart, yeah. And then you end up... It, it stings even more because at least the costumes you can't ignore. Yeah. But the marker stages, you might have to play... That's true, and they them. give you so many costumes at once that it's less of a... If you do want bury one and never see it again because you hate Flying Man, then you can do it. Like, it, it works. But, but yeah, so that, that's pretty much, I guess, our two cents on Smash Bros. Or 15 bucks. Or 15 bucks on Smash Bros. Um, the tornado so, kills. What? Well, oh, yeah, in the, Hyrule, in the Hyrule Castle stage. Yeah, yeah actually, it is. It's it kind did, of interesting to see the stages the, again. They did and, make the, the size grabbable in this version. Yeah. As opposed to the N64 one. Yeah, and it is kind of nice. It is kind of cool to see them upresed as much as they are. Like, they, they still look basic, and, the you know, the geometry is the same, but they look a lot crisper and... The bricks look like bricks and not just smears of Yeah, I do, do kind of like that they stuck with um, the same... They pretty much just, like, ported them. I like that they did this approach as opposed to yeah. remaking them to look like as if they were redesigned from the ground up for the Wii U. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. This is something to seeing, like, high-risk characters on an N64 stage. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's kind of a cool story. Especially characters that were never in the N64 game to begin with. Yeah. Or even just seeing characters that were originally in the 64 game, it's like, but now oh, all kind super of fancy. cool in a weird way. You realize just how far we've come. I think what would really make um, Dude, they costumes, should costumes worth more is like, they really need to start, kind of like, well, I guess they don't do that anymore. N64 polygonal skins. 
Yeah, for the actual character, they go yes. from Mario, just they give him his polygon form. Or Not for, for they can even do it for for, the, for anybody, or just have it be the Mies and replace the face, and they're wearing like a full body suit. Like imagine, imagine the N sixty four Donkey Kong with like a me face in place of his normal face, but the rest of him's totally. Uh, I, 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 you think it'd be better with the original? Characters? Yeah, I feel like they have to add more to the original cast because I mean, so many people play the game online or for whatever reason. And right. I mean, I don't know. People definitely just dig up. I mean, dig percent like. Well, not personalization. Yeah, I guess personalization. Yeah, personalization. Customization. So, I mean, um, someone would, like, love, like, to use Metal Mario. I mean, um, yeah. have Dry Bowser, have, I don't know, just pretty much do more, I mean, why can't you just have more Koopaling-style things? I yeah, mean, yeah. No, it like, I mean, they sense. clearly can because of Koopalings and Olimar and yeah. what have you. Just, people would definitely pay for that. I mean, it's been proven that people do because it's successful in Street Fighter Four. Marvel's Capcom, any fighting game for that Successful matter. in Smash Bros. They're on Wave 3 of costumes for me. I mean, Mar- Mortal Kombat has just released um, classic costumes for all their old characters that pretty much make them look how they did originally, like... Like Super Nintendo sprites? No, uh, well... Like, for example, um... There's a character named Ermac. He's, like, the Red Ninja. He looks like Scorpion. Right, yeah, I know he's he is, Red yeah. Ninja. And his new redesign for me, he... You wouldn't know it's Ermac. You wouldn't know it's Ermac. You'd be like, who's that guy? But they have... But the classic costume they have, they just make him look like a regular ninja with red. Right. Like, he looks right. exactly like he would if you put him in PS4. Oh, okay, I got it. And people, mean. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and those, people are going gaga for this. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people grew up on those and they want to play. I bet Nintendo's gonna do that. They don't have very many games coming out anymore, so they need to keep pumping just, stuff into Smash. Yeah, they just need to go all out with those costumes for characters. Yeah, they totally should. I mean, um, why can't they just do Chrome and Mars? People don't care that they don't. I mean, they just want it. I mean, someone already hacked the game to put Chrome in the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it'd be good, I think. And it's the type of thing that, like, I guess I don't know if any of this, if any of these things on their own would fully bring you back into the fold, so to speak, to the point where you're actually like, I'm gonna be competitive. But they're nice touches to let people that play it casually continue. To they would play have it. to add a new character that would somehow. Happen. Well, they're adding. There's the there's the whole ballad and whatnot. Yeah, but I mean, based on the popularity, it doesn't seem like any character that I want would be in there. Only time will tell. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah. If it's, if it's based on the ballot, like, yeah. it's not really going to change anything. That's true. Well, we'll find out soon. I mean, unless it's a character, like, if for whatever they do, they go with Inkling, and then I play as them, and then it's like, oh, it suddenly clicks. Because, I mean, Rob wasn't necessarily a character I loved before Brawl. Yeah. I mean, only Bowser was, so. Inklings would be a good fit, actually. They yeah, had the moveset. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm still campaigning. I'm still things. actively campaigning for Chibi Robo. So, uh, rock the vote, Chibi Robo yeah, fans. Like, I don't even know what character I want. Because I guess there isn't. We're running, yeah, we're running low on it. I mean, beyond Bowser, they go, I mean, I already have my favorite character in the game. Like, yeah. What, I mean, what, what, yeah, I have nothing. Yeah, I mean, I got all the characters I need, but... I just want to see cool fan service at this point, which the me costumes are starting to do, but... Hmm, put know, an Ninja Turtle. There you go. That will never <laughs> happen in a million years. But, uh, but yeah, so I guess that's kind of our... Killer Instinct almost did that, sort of. Yeah, almost sort <laughs> of, kind of, in a little, a turtle in a way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that pretty much sums up our thoughts on Smash, right? There's not really much else. It's basically, the game continues to be fun. There continues to be features. There's literally nothing else. There's, yeah, that's true. But but it's just like, there's not quite enough to keep us pulled in in the same way we were for the first nine months, I guess. But in other game news, there was other game news. Uh, kind of funny enough, uh, Gamescom is going on in Germany in, in conjunction with this episode. Like, we, we're partnering... Well, conjunction is the wrong word. We're not partnering with them. But um, it's happening in tandem. And we would think, okay, Gamescom, there must be a lot of news. That's the European E3. Well, there is some game news. It just all happened outside of Gamescom. But we're going to talk about it anyway. It's just kind of funny how that happened. But uh, I think possibly the 
biggest bit of news is that Square Enix revealed the next Dragon Quest, which is Dragon Quest XI, uh, In Search of the Departed Time. Is huh. its translated title. I don't know what it actually is going to be. Uh, but it's officially coming to PlayStation 4, Nintendo 3DS, and maybe the NX? That's the... Uh, Thank you, those are my great acting skills, thank you so much. But, uh, yeah, it's that's the crazy thing, is it might be coming to NX. So we'll talk about the game for sure, like, well, the for sure versions of the game first. And then we'll kind of double back and talk about that crazy supposed NX version. Because there's a weird amount of back and forth about what's going on with that. So here's what we know. Dragon Quest XI is not an MMO, like the Japan-only Dragon Quest X was on Wii and Wii U. But it actually goes back to its roots of being a traditional RPG, turn-based, you know, you're exploring, you're fighting monsters, yada yada. Uh, the PS4 and 3DS versions are actually going to be built completely independent and run as separate games, but they're going to share a story. That has been done once before that I'm aware of, and that was when Level 5 did it with uh, Nino Kuni, or however you say that, on PS3, which came stateside, and on 3DS, which did not come stateside. In Japan, both those versions came out simultaneously, exact same storyline, pretty different gameplay. So they're kind of doing that here. So for PS4 and presumably maybe so NX... So like Sonic Colors? <laughs> Except, except Sonic Colors actually gave it different subtitles on the handheld, didn't they? Or did they not? No, I think Sonic Colors is still just Sonic Colors. Did they have the same story, identical, on both? I'm pretty sure it was the same Oh, then story. yes, like Sonic except Colors. Except one was a traditional Sonic 3D game, and the other one was a 2D, 2D. Sonic. Yeah, that's basically like that. Because, yeah, the PS4 version, and I presume the NX version of Dragon Quest Eleven is going to be 3D, kind of like Dragon Quest used to be on the PS2 before it jumped to the DS. And it's going to use the uh, Unreal Engine 4 to power it. So it's going to be like a 3D behind the back. You're exploring third-person adventure. Meanwhile, on the handheld side, on the 3S, this is where things get crazy. The game is going to run double. So on the top screen as you play, you're going to get a chibi kind of Dragon Quest Nine style 3D top-down, like, you know, two-third angle game unfolding. In 3D, polygonal 3D, and then on the bottom screen, simultaneously, will be the exact same game, but in this NES and Super NES style with you know 30, uh, 16 or 32 bit top down 2D sprites, everything's flat, and they're gonna so be you the pick same how game. You want to play? Essentially, at at one point when you first start the game, originally people were thinking it was gonna be like this the entire time, and then they clarified that it's only like this at the beginning, and then ultimately you have to pick which view you want, but it's fully fledged. Cutscenes will play out in both formats simultaneously. Battle if you're in the like out in the field, you have random encounters on the bottom screen like in old school Dragon Quest, but if you look at the top screen, there'll be symbol indicators, kinda Tales of Symphonia style, like in newer Dragon Quest. So you actually have two they're essentially building the game twice, putting it on the same cartridge, running them concurrently, and then at one point going, pick your poison and then taking the other one away. Oh, it's a real really interesting takes. what? Sounds like a bigger decision than the Fire, yeah, the Fire Emblem Fates, yeah. yeah. It's it's a really interesting idea. It, and it's crazy because they're basically building the same game twice, just in different styles, and then releasing them on one cartridge. They're not even doing like, like Nintendo and they did Fire Emblem Fates, or at least like, alright, we'll buy one, and then buy the other. But this one's like, oh, we'll just give you both. Now, I don't know how long, they haven't said how long you get both like that. It, um, originally it sounded like the whole game, and then uh, Japan's Jump Magazine confirmed that was only for part of the game. So we'll find out. But it's, it is... I've never seen a game do that before. It's a really kind of interesting idea. It's, like, really bridging the gap and trying to bring in every possible Dragon Quest fan, whether you're, like, a guy that played it in 95 or a guy that played it in, like, 2012. You're probably going to be happy with one version of it. But uh, also crazy is the fact that uh, Square Enix, when they announced Dragon Quest Eleven, publicly discussed that it's coming to NX, which obviously we touched on already. But it's... Uh, just to be clear how weird this is, 
we know NX is a thing, but it's not a thing Nintendo has formally announced yet. So now, it, like, it's really weird to see a company come out and be like, oh yeah, we're making this game for this platform that doesn't exist. And that no one knows what it is. But we're, we're going to support it. And it kind of resulted in some weird back and forth because uh, initially, the game's producer, he was on stage at this big event. It was being live-streamed on, like, the Japanese Twitch or something. And it was, like, you know, a lot of attention. It was a Dragon Quest celebration event. And he said the following. I'm just going to read the quote. Dragon Quest XI, which was announced today, as well as Dragon Quest X, which I'm working on as producer, are planned for release on the NX, which Nintendo is currently developing. There's no mincing words there. He said they're coming. He read it from a script. Like, if you watch the video, it's on prepared notes. It's not like he said it off the cuff. Then, as soon as the presentation ended, Square Enix started scrambling, and they told Famitsu in Japan and some other outlets, it's actually under consideration for NX. We're not making any game yet. And uh, then days after that, they put out the most roundabout, convoluted statement I've ever heard that almost is, basically was like, well, listen, our press release said one thing. He said something else. Our press release is our press release. It's our statement to the press. Ignore him. So here's, what they, they, here's how they word that, just because it's such a bizarre wording. Our press release contained the official statement that has been originally planned, and there's no reason to believe any changes were made midway to the content of the official announcement. The comment made during the event was not based on the official statement, so please allow us to correct our statement at this moment. We regret any confusion. I understand backpedaling. Like, I get what happened. I think Nintendo probably saw they announced it for NX, and they were just like, Hey guys, can we, uh, you know, announce the thing first? Like, we're not talking about till 2016, and we love that you're supporting it, but maybe support it once it's a known product. That's like saying you're going to make a case for the iPhone X, even though... We're nowhere near the iPhone 10. Like, it's, so, it's still a ways away. Like, let's just, let's just sit back and let's do our thing. So Square Enix probably walked it back because of that. But, like, the cat's out of the bag. You, you, why even try and... Why even try and cover this back up? But nonetheless, what's most impressive is... Dragon Quest... And Square Enix are now bigger things on a non-existent future Nintendo system... Than they had been on the Wii. <laughs> like, it's just what? So that's a good sign for the NX, I think, because uh, Square Enix supported it with Dragon Quest X. That's all they did. Uh, on NX, they're already bringing two games, and they're coming very early in the system's life, and they're probably gonna be, and Dragon Quest is still huge in Japan, so this is a big grab for Nintendo and a good grab for Nintendo, and I think it bodes quite well for the future of the platform, but it's just such a weird way it unfolded. Um, and of course, there's the whole question of is it even gonna come to the US, the game at all, on any system? Square Enix won't say. We haven't gotten any Dragon Quest since Dragon Quest Nine, right? Or that is or whatever. Uh, or yeah, Nine was the last one, and I believe Nintendo co-published it. Ten didn't come out because it's an MMO that's perpetually in beta. And Eleven, they're not saying, but considering it's not online and doesn't require servers, I suspect we'll see it. Especially because Square Enix is starting to globalize more. You know, like uh, Dragon Quest Heroes, a game you probably never would have thought was going to come. I think it's Dragon Quest Heroes. Maybe it's Dragon Quest Builder. One of those spinoffs that you wouldn't think would come stateside is now coming to North America and Europe. And Bravely Default did well, and that's Square Enix game, and now Bravely Second is coming. And they're starting to branch out. Most notably, uh, shortly after they announced Dragon Quest, they announced Final Fantasy Explorers is coming west, which is a game that I don't think very many people expected to actually come out here. Like the Monster Hunter cruise? Yeah, it's kind of... Like, when you first look at it, you kind of go, oh, it's like Monster Hunter. And then you look a little closer, and you're like, oh, wait, no, it kind of is reminiscent of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles from the GameCube days. Oh, yeah. But then you look even closer, and you go, oh, no, 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 no. It's Crystal Chronicles with the gameplay of Monster Hunter. So, for those who don't remember Crystal Chronicles, because believe it or not, that game is now, like, 
a decade old at least, probably older. Um, this was like the one of the couple flagship GameCube Game Boy Advance connectivity games. You had a caravan. It was a kind of together. You had to go and collect crystals, and it was like this weird, like little hack and hack hack and slash actiony Final Fantasy spinoff where it's like you venture together on the game on the TV, but you can branch off on your own and go on the Game Boy Advance. And not, you know, the, the, the camera would stay fixed on the leader of the caravan, yada yada. It was actually really fun and really underrated. And it was the first, one of the first, like, comeback games for uh, Square Enix when they returned to Nintendo platforms. But, um, Explorers is kind of that with Monster Hunter, like you said. It's, um, it's a similar pre premise in that you and up to three friends can kind of run around. You're watching 20 different jobs or class types, whatever you want to call them. And you're going to find crystals. The difference is, uh, it's single player. Or it has a, a legit single-player component as opposed to the weird, like, half-ass C1 that Crystal Chronicles had. Uh, you can recruit monsters to battle with you, and it's kind of like Hyrule Warriors. It's a mashup of all these different Final Fantasies. So you can play as classic Final Fantasy characters like Cloud. You can battle classic Final Fantasy bosses. It's kind of like smushed-together fan service game that also is leaning very, very heavily on Monster Hunter. Because based on impressions I was reading from Gamescom, which is kind of what you were talking about, based on the impression I was reading from Gamescom, um, it's very similar. There's uh, there's like continual item drops, there's timed encounters with enemies, you pick quests and then you go out to find the specific enemy or get the specific crystal in specific areas, and the enemy kind of moves around between the different areas. It's basically monster. It's, it's Square Enix wanting that Monster Hunter money. Hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. What, what, you're a Monster Hunter fan. Um, would this catch your eye or is it like it's still too Final Fantasy for you yeah I'm not even really considering it because <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can see what Square Enix is doing it's coming out in January especially because Monster Hunter already has enough things in the oven to make but any see I think that's why they're re releasing this in January they announced for Europe and North America it's coming in January because I think they're going well we know Monster Hunter X is going to hit probably like March or April that's when Monster Hunter mm -hmm. and all the other Monster Hunter spinoffs eventually yeah exactly so we should strike right as people get tired of the Monster Hunter they're currently playing and right before the next one comes out, and we'll push this down, we'll be like, hey, it's also a JRPG franchise of sorts, and hey, you you like monsters that are big that you hunt? How about we throw some crystals on top of them? You in? Yeah, come on, guys. Like, it's, I, I honestly think they're positioning it to be like the stopgap between Sorry, monsters and games. Final Fantasy Explorers. But you're out. But nonetheless, it's kind of a, you know, it helps build out the, the 3DS is really becoming like the JRPG machine. Like, Bravely Second, Bravely Default, Fire... Or not even JRPG, just J very Japan-esque, Japan-centric, Japan-heavy games. Japanese-styled games. Can I think I played Tales of Abyss on it. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I had completely forgotten. Yeah, that was a few years ago. Tales we talked about it on this very show. Tales but another uh, awesome Tales game. Yeah, like, there's that, there's Fire Emblem, there's Final Fantasy, there's rid Theater Rhythm, there's Bravely Second and Bravely Default, there's... It's just like, there's Etrian Odyssey, there's... I could keep going, but it's just like... The system, I feel like the, weirdly enough, one of the strongest genres on the 3DS is like JRPGs and J Japanese strategy games. Like it's kind of it's interesting how that came about. I mean, I guess the Game Boy Advance was kind of the same way, and the DS was certainly that way, but like the 3DS is really, I mean, because it's their, their smaller Western third-party support, but it's just really glaring how big of a, a, of a um, Japanese-centric system this is, at least in terms of third-party support. So, so that's something to be out, out on Final Fantasy Explorer. Is something to be on the lookout for if that tickles your fancy. Apparently, it doesn't tickle yours, but but for people, it does. Um, now, not everything can be good news. So, no. Dragon Quest is good news. Final Fantasy is good news. 
What's not good news is on the indie side of things, the uh, ever-expanding saga of My Number 9 just continues to uh, ever-expand. Mm-hmm. And it's Unborn Baby Cousin Red Ash. Which had all sorts of drama. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's fill, it, let's fill us in for everyone. Because I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I feel like these Kickstarter games are easy to lose track of. So, okay, first of all, the reason this ex- saga is expanding is Comcast. Wow, I can't talk to a Comcept. I was going to say Capcom, and I was going to say Comcast, and then Comcept. <laughs> Comcept announced the other day, the other night, I should really say, that they're delaying my number 9 from its September release to an unspecified time in 2016. They're aiming for Q1 2016, but they will not give a hard confirmation of that. The reason Now, first of all, the announcement itself was bizarre. They posted it at, like, 2 a.m., they posted it while EA's Gamescom conference was going on when gamers were distracted. And when they first tweeted about it, they said, Hey backers, check the forum for some news regarding the game. No link. No indication what the news was. It's like they're trying to bury the news as if someone somehow wouldn't notice, I guess. But And then like an hour and a half later, they're like, Oh, here's a link to the thread, by the way. It's like that was definitely intentional. That they were trying to like stagger the reactions to it. Uh, but... Either way, it is delayed. They're delaying it. The core game is done, they say. But they're delaying it because they're having issues with the online components and they need to do bug fixes. Now, why on earth it takes five to seven to nine to however many months to fix one mode's bugs is a little strange. But then we again... We don't know. We're not game developers. I know. But then again, everything about this game is a little strange. So even if I'm not a game developer, you could... I mean, come on. Yeah. Six months for bug testing. But, um... Yeah, so we talked about... I mean, do you want a really polished game? Like, so shiny that you could see your soul through it? I don't know. <laughs> see your soul through it. I want it so shiny that when I look at the TV, I can also check to see, like, if I need to comb my hair. Like, I need to see my reflection. Basically, I need so the game... So polished it's a Nintendo game. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. They've kind of gotten a little rusty sometimes. They have. But, see, but that's the whole problem with, with like, games that can be expanded with DLC and with patches, is, like, every company's getting rusty about it. Like, there's this whole expose, I think it was on Kotaku, where it was like... Glitches keep popping up. Even after the most the last patch of Pac-Man Glitch came back, that was patched before. How about the Swordsman one, where you could do infinite, um... You could do, like, an infinite slice and dice sword deal. I forgot what the move is. With the Mii Sword Fighter and with Robin. Did oh. you not hear about that? Maybe they patched it already. Maybe not. But there's a thing where, like... I don't remember what the attack is, no. but you could just repeatedly do it. There's no, like, delay... And you just could, like, knock... I know there's another infinite that you could do on Robin, but that got patched. It's always on Robin for some reason. I don't know. It's a weird one. But anyway, um, the thing with my number nine... Wait, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, first I was saying the thing about DLC. It's like, now that games can have DLC and have patches, it's... Developers are getting lazy. Like, this whole expose from Kotaku, they're saying something like, uh, oh, yeah, what would normally be a game... Like, a show-stopping bug that we need to delay the game for it, and now just say, oh, push it out, we'll do it with a day one patch. It's fine. So it's, it's just it's a different culture now for game developers. In my number nine, I mean, I guess they're taking the high road by not doing that, but they're delaying the game as a result. But I mean, this game has had such a crazy story. So we've talked about it a bit before, but my number nine, I, I think you could say it's had a troubled life, for lack of a better term. So it started off with 3.8 million in Kickstarter funding. Biggest Kickstarter, gaming Kickstarter at, at its time. Uh, it was then followed by a second Kickstarter because the creator, Keiji uh, Inafune, or Keiji Inafune, wanted... Um, turn into a cartoon, he wanted to add voice acting, he wanted to make it like a universe. It then received publisher, it then received a publisher in the form of Deep Silver, who's actually owned by Square Enix, so funny how all our non-Nintendo is a Square Enix today, but um, 
Yeah, Deep Silver then said, we're going to publish. And it's like, great, so you have $3.8 million that you didn't really need because the publisher's funding it, whatever. And then, weirdly enough, they announced that my number nine, they being Inafune and Comcept, announced that my number nine is getting a live-action movie and have teamed up with the studio they're doing pre-production on. So it's just like, yeah, I kid you not, a live-action movie. So it's just like, <sighs> we have a game that's not even out yet. A game that wasn't even, like, ready. They didn't have a publisher. They like, announced we don't a even know if it's going to be successful. Like we don't even know about. This I know. Like, now. do people care about Beck and Call as much as Inafune thinks they do? Because I don't think they do. I mean, it's it's kind of like I mean, kind of like just referring back to the whole Red Ash thing. Like they had a separate campaign for an anime. Oh, let me explain Red Ash real quick. <laughs> I have it all broken down. You're right. Red Ash had the anime and everything, but Red Ash was even stupider. Okay, so my number nine. Whatever they're doing, live action. They're doing cartoon. They're doing voice acting and all sorts of other stuff. And they got Deep Silver to foot some of the bill. That's what it is. Then, before my number nine is even close to being done, Concept started a second Kickstarter for this game, Red Ash, which you already mentioned, which is the spirit, for those who don't know, the spiritual successor of Mega Man Legends 3. Like, they took that, the husk of that, and then went, let's make a new game out of it. So here's where it gets weird. And they did have an anime, and they did have all that, and it all failed, and here's why. Over the course of the campaign, it started to become apparent that the game already had a publisher. A Chinese company called Fuse was like, yeah, 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 we're going to publish the game. And when people found this out, they're like, what are we kickstarting for? So then Comcept or Inafune or whoever comes forward and says, oh, well, we want to do a, pro a prologue to the game, and you guys can fund that. That would be what you fund with the go, Kickstarter. Then you just wait and use the money you get from item number nine. Right? You would think that. I mean, like, you would think like, that, right? Like what developers normally do, right? Yeah, like, like what normal, sane developers do. You use the money to pay your employees or, and make another game. Right. That's how it works. But instead, they wanted to kickstart it. But mm -hmm. then, All here's the thing. are funded by our makers. Here's the thing. They already had the money for the prologue. Because it turns out the Chinese company that's publishing it, Fuse, is paying for the prologue too. So what was this Kickstarter for? They then started saying, oh, no, 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 we needed to do the Kickstarter to hit our stretch goals. And when we hit our stretch goals, all those are things that Fuse would not do, but will, you know, you guys can fund. It's like, okay, so under three false pretenses now, or two false pretenses, first is to fund the game, which is already funded. Second is to fund the prologue, which is already funded. And now it's to fund the stretch goals. Why don't you just make the stretch goals the normal goals and not fund anything else and just be upfront about it? Long story short, unsurprisingly, the game failed to meet its Kickstarter goal. It is now canned. So we have my number nine being diversified into like a whole multimedia onslaught that no one asked for. And we have Red Ash bombing hard. And all of this is happening before my number nine is even out. Like, how insane is this situation? Like, now it's delayed again, so it's even further away. And we haven't even touched on the fact that many backers, myself somewhat included, are not even fans of the final product because it looks nothing like the concept art. It's way... Uh, concept? Concept art. It's way, how do you say, simpler? It's way simpler looking than, like, the real... Like, the concept art looked crazy. The concept art looked really cool, and then the final game is very, like, kind of minimalist. Simple polygons, that sort of thing. I mean, it looks nice in motion, but it's simple. So, it, it's just a mess. And this isn't like, I'm not the only one thinking this, because they sent out, over the course of July, they had all the backers tell them which version of the game they want. And uh, only less than half, or no, sorry, only about half of all the backers actually responded, saying, oh, give me the Wii U version, give me the Xbox version. So they got $3.8 million from people, and then only half of those people were like, yeah, I, I still want the game. Like, that's not, that's not good. And that's, that's from them, that figure, the half. Like that's, that, that's definitely not good. So it's a mess all around. But um, to Comcept's credit, the game does look a lot better in person, and it does play pretty well. 
I don't know. Did you get a chance to try it at Con Con, or was I the only one? Uh, I think you were the only one. I wasn't really interested in... Well, I felt like I had to, because I backed the thing. But, uh, yeah, so Square Enix had at their booth at Comic-Con, and we didn't talk about it in our Comic-Con episode, but now that we're bringing... Now that we're talking about the game's existence and, you know, its its troubles, it makes sense to talk about the impressions. And I have to say, like, if you put all the drama aside, it's actually a pretty fun game. Like, I did enjoy the demo a lot. I mean, it's definitely Mega Man through and through, there's no doubt. But there's, yeah, it looks just like Mega Man. But, but what's interesting is there's kind of a stronger focus on that on the dash attack, which is something that was in Mega Man X. You know, you hit the button and he does, like, the dash through the enemy or whatever. But with this one, you kind of do, like, a one-two punch. Or, like, first you shoot him, stun him, then you dash through him, almost kind of like Gunvolt a little, as your striker Gunvolt. So that, you, you kind of, like, build a rhythm doing that. Like, the whole thing is you... You want to just keep moving forward, and you want to do, like, shoot, dash, shoot, dash, shoot, dash, and you kind of get into a groove with it, and it, it feels a little different from Mega Man. It kind of has its own, it's definitely Mega, it's definitely Mega Man inspired, but it kind of has its own twist on it, which is kind of fun. But, um, it's, it's, the thing is, like, as you go and you do these dashes, that affects your high score, and that affects power-up opportunities you get, and those come up mid-level, so you can get things like more powerful, um, blaster or a faster dash, and then that helps your score even more. And, when, and like I said, when we get into the rhythm of it, it's actually, it's actually pretty fun. Like, it's, I wouldn't say it's like the best Mega Man-style game in existence, but it definitely captures the essence of it, but puts its unique stamp on it, which is kind of nice. And um, what the Square Enix folks were telling me when I was playing is that in later... Like, I was playing the prologue in the first couple levels. I think they're like five in total. And they were saying that later in the game, you really need to get good at that, like dash shoot mechanic. Like, you're going to have to be like rapid fire, like dash shoot, dash shoot, dash shoot at times, because it, it's almost like... It's almost like a speed run situation where you really just got to like gun it through, and you're rewarded for complete for faster completion times. You're rewarded for more enemies killed and taking less damage. So while it was definitely simple feeling when I played it in the early levels, I was very like, okay, I, is there any challenge here? And that's kind of for me who sucks at video games. When you get to layer levels, at least in theory, it gets it gets hard, and the whole dash shoot mechanic actually kind of comes into its own more than just being like, oh, it's like Mega Man but a little different. But uh, but yeah, it, it is it is pretty fun. I mean, if you ca- like I said, if you cast aside the drama, if you can overlook that the graphics are a little simpler than they originally promised, it is a fun game, and I could see, you know, I mean, I already bought it for however much I bought it for as a backer, but I could see, you know, for 10 or 15 bucks, if the game's, if what Square Enix told me is true about getting more difficult, and if there's, you know, more to it than just dash shoot, dash shoot, with no, like, interesting level design, maybe not, then, like, if all, if there's interesting level design, if it does more than that, if it everything they said is true, it could actually be worth the 15 bucks, even with the simplified graphics, even with all the drama. So I guess we'll find out in 2016. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's certain, like, the problem with this game is that Inafune has a habit of biting off more than he can chew. And that definitely happened. But the game itself shouldn't be faulted for the poor management skills. Like, the game itself is pretty fun. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I, it actually made me feel better about backing it after playing it than I did going into it, which is always a good thing. But if you do want a pure Mega Man experience, which I'm sure some of you out there do, Capcom did announce at Gamescom that Mega Man Legends Collection, which is 1 through 6, uh, remastered in HD, those are on PS4 and Xbox One digitally, end of this month. They're coming to Mega 3DS. Man Legends Collection? Or not Legends, sorry. Leg- uh, no, Le- Legacy. Thing. Legacy Collection. Oh, okay. Sorry, that was my bad. Um, they're on, yeah, they're coming to Xbox One and PS4 by the end of this month. Coming as physical releases in 2016, including on 3DS, where we're also in 2016 getting eShop release. So, there's pure Mega Man coming, there's Minor 9, pick your poison, 
that's the expression of the episode. I've said it twice. Pick your poison. Uh, there's stuff for you to play if you like Mega Man. But yeah, the the, the Mighty Number no. Nine thing's so weird. Um, yeah, and speaking of delays, we can't talk about a delay without mentioning the big one. Or yeah, yeah, it's a game called Zelda. Zelda for Wii U. Uh, so Nintendo put out financials for its first quarter, which is uh, April through June. And while we'll get to that in a moment. It's worth knowing that when they put that out, they also released their updated release schedule. And the most notable thing on there is that Zelda for Wii U has shifted from what we thought was a 2016 release to just being listed as TBD, as in to be determined, as in they're not locking it down as a guarantee for 2016. So, I mean, if you really need a Zelda fix, they also just announced that uh, Triforce Heroes is out on October 23rd. Hmm. So there's that on 3DS to look forward to. No, not at all. But if you want Zelda on Wii U, you might be waiting forever. As of right now, you're weighing indefinitely, so get comfortable. And I mean, I think there's two ways of looking at it. If you want to be an optimist, perhaps they just don't want to lock in a release window because they don't want to disappoint people again. Maybe they're waiting till they actually know for sure because they already did that once. They already set a release window, 2015, and that came and went. So maybe, maybe they're just like, nah, we're just gonna hold off. It's coming in 2016, but we're just gonna hold off. But if you want to be a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Or if you want to, you know, be a realist, then this to me at least smacks of them uh, bringing it to NX. I've said it before, but I mean, come on. The game went from 2016 to we don't know. Like, why would they not know? There's nothing else happening on the Wii U next year. Like, it's. If you've got Square Enix already mentioning NX plans regarding a game they're planning to release in 2016, Dragon Quest XI, and the, then the system's probably coming out sooner rather than later. And when you look at the rest of the release schedule Nintendo put out for the Wii U, you ready for this riveting lineup of games coming to your Wii U in 2016? Hit me. There are two of them. What? Mario and Sonic at the Rio Olympics. Okay, I can get down behind that. Fire Emblem Cross Shin Megami Tensei. I'm not going to say it's a new name. It has a hashtag in it. Oh. Those are the only two official games coming to Wii U next year, as of now. Zelda was the third, but now it's TBD. Now, uh, Project Giant Robot is still listed as TBD for Wii U. Project Guard is still listed as 2015 for Wii U. I don't think either of those are happening. I'm pretty sure Mimo said at E3 that Project Guard has been folded into Star Fox. And Giant Robot maybe is 2016, but I don't think Mario and Sonic, Giant Robot, and Fire Emblem Crush and Guard Tensei are going to be sustaining the Wii U into a glorious 2017 send-off. I'm pretty sure 2016 is the end of the Wii U. And I'm pretty sure the NX is going to launch holiday 2016. And I'm pretty like sure... Got the Wii U too. What? Still, I don't know why it still feels like we just got the Wii U. It's because we did. came out in 2012. It's been three years. Yeah. It'll be four years when it retires. And, and I'm pretty just sure... Year, yeah. Just a year short of the usual lifespan. The usual five for Nintendo. But but the funny thing is, like, the Wii U's, like... I, I mean, come on. There's no way. If they're, released, they're, not, they're not releasing probably anything. Probably because we got Smash Brothers earlier in the life of the... No, we got it still mm-hmm. two years in. Mm-hmm. It was just that the Wii U lasted six years, right? The Wii, you mean? The Wii. Yes, the Wii was from 2006 to 2012. The yeah. Wii was one year longer than you. Yeah, we had Smash, yeah, Smash for four years. Here we go. Here we go. Nintendo's just balancing it. That's all that's happening, Angel. They're, they they went from the Wii, U, the Wii being one year too old to the Wii U being one year too young, and between the two, it's the usual five. That's all this is. It has nothing to do with the Wii U bombing. Well, I don't care about this. (laughs) But, uh, no, but it's... 
I'm pretty sure we're at the point where it's now abundantly clear that the NX is a very real possibility for 2016, not just like a pipe dream. I remember saying that at E3, after in our E3 coverage. Like I released in 2016 that, or announced? Uh, probably released, because I, I remember saying oh, that's a pretty that, big deal. Uh, the weak Wii U lineup would probably be a sign that they're transitioning away and going towards NX potentially as soon as, you know, 2016. So I, I think I think it's been a long time coming that we're at this point now, and I think it's... I don't know, to me it seems abundantly clear that the Wii U's winding down. I mean, can you really blame Nintendo, though, at this point? Like, for people that invested in the Wii U. Well, I mean, we still got a good amount of games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, we no, got, yeah. like, the best Mario Kart, arguably the best Smash, really good Mario, a Zelda, maybe a second Zelda. Uh, we got a lot. We got Splatoon. We the got, Zelda was... I mean, it was a remake, but yeah. it was still a Zelda. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, it just... It definitely feels like it's winding down, I mean, I, and you can't really blame them though, because the system it really hasn't been a huge seller. Let's let's be honest. And I remember saying that uh, following, you know, after Nintendo's end of fiscal year report back in April, I was, uh, it kind of seemed like they're content just riding out what they currently have in terms of sales, and it kind of feels that way too, at least until NX is ready. Because if you look at their latest financial report, the one from um, April to June that they just released for their first quarter of this fiscal year, sales were down. It went from uh, 510,000 in 2014's first quarter to 470,000 worldwide this quarter. So it's not a huge drop, but it kind of embodies the idea that Nintendo's just sort of riding it out. Emptying out the warehouse? Exactly. I think they're just emptying out the warehouse. But hey, at least we finally passed 10 million units after three years. <laughs> Took PlayStation like six months, but that's okay. But yeah, they just hit the 10 million milestone. And, um, you know, we actually, Wii U hardware aside, the company did have a pretty good quarter this past quarter. See how I, see how I subtly transitioned us into uh, Jason Sales Corner? And that, and that slick. But yeah, so um, just to cover it a bit, um, Nintendo did have their best quarter of sales, or best quarter financially since 2012, with uh, sales coming in at $727 million and a profit of $9.3 million, which puts them back in the black for the first time in a long time, and it exceeded analysts' expectations. So that's pretty good. I mean, analysts said that weaker yen was probably a big contributor to this momentum, but... Nintendo decided a few reasons of their own that seem pretty significant. Um, first up, 3DS sales were pretty good. Uh, they they weren't like super stellar here in the U.S., but so worldwide, they're not down anymore. I remember that. No, I mean they're down they're... in the U.S., but worldwide they sold 1.01 million 3DSs, and it's probably I mean it's pr it's probably I don't know if it's down or up. I couldn't find a comparison point from a year ago, but it's enough to help them turn a profit. Hmm. So, so in, in terms of... Uh, you know what's funny, though? The one thing that's not turning a profit for them is the 2DS. From April, June, it sold 50,000 worldwide. I thought more people would have bought them, though, just because they were so cheap. Yeah, but now they're marketing that... But now you get a normal 3DS... Or, well, they don't even sell the normal 3DS anymore. But, well, I guess people are just more interested in the 3DS with the 3D and the bigger screen. And the 2DS, it just looks cheap. So, can't say I'm surprised it's not doing as well. But, uh... But yeah, and all hardware sales for 3DS are now at 53 million worldwide. There are over 223 million games sold. And um, not really surprisingly, you probably guess that the number one game is Pokemon. X and Y sold 13.99 million units since it launched. Uh, Mario Kart 7 is right behind it with around 12 million. And then Pokemon Aura has managed to sneak into third place of the all-time best star 3DS list with uh, 10.27 million. Wow. A bit so further down. The game that came out last October yeah. already sold more. It's already the third bestseller. More impressive than that, potentially, is that a bit further down the list, Super Smash Bros. for 3DS. Um, it's number seven in terms of the best sellers to, overall in the system's life, but it has sold 7.04 million units worldwide. To give you a point of comparison, Melee on GameCube, Smash Bros. Melee, in the entire life of the GameCube, sold 7.41 million. 
and now Smash Bros. for 3DS, after, what, 8-9 months, is at 7.04 million. It's catching up fast. It's kind of crazy. Hmm. Like, it's, it's, it, they're, they're, that's under a single year. And then another factor, separate from the 3DS, that Nintendo says contributed to their good year is uh, Splatoon. It's, I mean, honestly, there's no real way to know if a brand new IP like Splatoon was going to do well or not do well. But it turns out it actually did pretty well. They managed to move 1.62 million copies of the game by the end of June. And that's nearly a third of all Wii U software sales from April to June. Which is kind of, I mean, one, it's a little insane. But on the other hand, it's like, well, what else are they going to sell? There's no other <laughs> major releases. But uh, half a million of those were from Japan and 1.12 million I mean, were from... Besides Splatoon, there's really nothing else to put on the Wii U. That's what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, Splatoon, half a million in Japan, 1.12 million in North America and Europe as of end of June. In the time since, sales in Japan, weekly sales, have increased every single week. So it's probably at 2 million, very close to 2 million now, and you'll probably see it pretty soon. But uh, Splatoon's actually, here's what's crazy, it's already sold more to date, like in its entire life, than the entire lifetime sales of Wind Waker HD and Wii Party U. Combined? No, separate. Uh, but just like the fact that Splatoon's already in that, like, already surpassed a million, is already not the, you know, up a few notches on the list is kind of impressive. Wii U games in general actually are chugging along pretty well. Mario Kart 8, uh, now has lifetime sales of 5.43 million copies, which means that roughly 54% of all Wii U owners own Mario Kart 8, which is kind of an insanely high attachment. That's where I rate. do know one of those about 40% people that don't yeah, it's, own it's basically Mario Kart that, 8. Basically, if you own a Wii U, you have a 50-50 chance of owning the game, which is there any other... I mean, maybe Wii Sports, but it's very rare for a system to have that high of a attach rate for a game. Like, it's crazy. And then Smash Bros. is also still doing well. It sold... Uh, 3.83 million copies, which obviously pales in comparison to the 3DS one, but we, you know, smaller group to work with. What what kind of strikes me as interesting, though, is their Nintendo didn't outright say this, but if you look at the numbers, their DLC for Mario Kart and Smash Bros. probably played a big role in their profit as well, because uh, they did mention that overall digital revenue, which includes, you know, any eShop purchase, any DLC, went from 12.56% in last year's Q1 to 26.45% in this year's Q1. That's a really big jump, and I'm sure the DLC was a major part of that, and that's pure revenue for Nintendo. You know, they don't have to worry about cost of shipping, cost of packaging. They just market it and release it. So it's they're making more money off that than they would off, say, if they did, like, a expansion pack you buy in a store or something. Hmm. So so that's another way that Nintendo made money. And the third, but the third and final factor that Nintendo cited, I think is one we can all guess, which is Amiibo doing insanely well. It, um... <laughs> It managed to sell 4.2 million, they managed to sell 4.2 million Amiibo just from April to June alone. Keep in mind, that's when Wave, what, 4, I guess, came out in late May with the Splatoon Amiibo and the Wave 4 of Smash Bros and whatnot. Yeah, yeah but 4.2 million worldwide in just that quarter. They now, since it came out in November, so we're talking 8 months or so, 14.7 million Amiibo have been sold. That's crazy. Like, that's more than there, I mean, obviously it makes sense, but that's more than there are Wii U. Like, that's just a huge number. 14.7 million in eight months is ridiculous. So, um, for the rest of their fiscal year, Nintendo's basically not changing anything. They still expect to move, somehow move 3.4 million Wii U, 7.6 million 3DS, and bring in 35 billion yen in, in income. So, I, it, I mean, it seems reasonable. I guess Mario Maker could help them hit the Wii U sales goal. I completely forgot the game was coming out. Yeah, there's Mario Maker, Yoshi's Woolly World, and, um... Star Fox Zero, I feel like are like kind of a 
None of them I feel like are going to be real system sellers. Mario Maker would come close, but together they might be enough to push some people to buy it. Or, yeah, and then uh, on the 3DS, they actually have a really good line for 3DS in terms of hitting that 7.6 million. Because, you know, you got a new Zelda, you got a Pokemon spinoff, you'll Koi Watch if it catches on like they hope could be huge. So it seems manageable that Nintendo could do that. And uh, for their, those profit expectations of $35 billion, they... I think they're expecting Amiibo to play a big, pretty big role, and they're already gearing up for that, because they announced just the other day the next wave of Amiibo, which is coming in September, and it's basically like, just when we thought... This is the least wavy wave I know. that they've announced so far. What's weird is it's like, just when we thought it was safe to go back into the water, it's like, oh, nope, Nintendo's getting crazy with Amiibo again. So it's funny, because we were saying the last couple episodes, like, oh, maybe the Amiibo situation's getting better, maybe things are improving, um... You know, like, Palatina was easier to get than any other retail-exclusive Amiibo. It was available for a full hour, which was unheard of. Dark Pit, we heard stories of online you could get, and it, and it seemed like some stores there was some chaos, but no, lost it was really worried. easy to get online. I mean, I got two of them, and then canceled them because I remembered I already have them. Right, right. But, like... But it still looks like they're getting rid of the... I mean, they're getting the exclusives out of the way first. But what, what's interesting is we kind of are looking at this in a narrow scope. And this is something that re, uh, one of our listeners pointed out to us. Johnny sent an email... Uh, hi, Johnny. And he basically was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about because I'm still looking for certain Amiibo like Lil Mac and Shulk and whatnot, and I can't find them anywhere. And it's true that, like, when we were saying the Amiibo situation getting better, I think we meant, like, with the new releases going forward. But it is a very valid point that all the older Amiibo, yeah, they're restocking them, but the restocks are very limited as well. So there's there's still trouble getting the Amiibo. And now with Wave five and five B or whatever they want to call this, it's getting kinda of ridiculous. Some yeah. of it is normal, some of it isn't. Um so I mean, first yeah. I was gonna say like as unfortunate as it is that like most people still can't find the older the older amiibo. I mean I guess it's just um something that they're gonna have to realize that I guess it's, that's just how it is with waves. Like once like a wave is done, you're not you're not supposed to expect them to continue releasing any more of that same toy. Like Hasbro does it, Playmates does it. So, yeah, the fact that Nintendo is doing restocks, I mean, the restocks yeah, are not easy kinda... to get, and that's definitely a concern. Like, if Nintendo's going to restock it, restock yeah, it Yeah, I mean, right, they're trying, but they're big but, steps. I mean, like, you kind of just have to accept, like, yeah, they screwed up, and those are probably, yeah, <laughs> you're probably... Which, is, which yeah. is a super crappy situation, and Nintendo shouldn't have to put a fan yeah. into that situation, but it does seem like... But going forward, I mean, like... With the summer was, exclusives, they're doing better. Yeah, the, 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 there was definitely no reason to, like, line up for... For Dark Pit. Well, no, I heard some Best Buys had some issues. And they, and oh, they no. didn't announce in advance that it was going to be online until about an hour before. So people thought that was their only option. Yeah, but even then, like, um, I mean, that, I mean, apparently that that still was the case with Dark Pit. Like, you could still get it online. Same thing with Rosalina. She yeah. was available online for a long time after people were making line. Same thing with Jigglypuff. She was Jigglypuff available. just came back online Thursday night. She keeps coming back online. No, like, literally on Thursday night. I was, like, reading Twitter. Oh, yeah. And... There's Jigglypuff, like for the with most free part, shipping. For the most part, almost all of the Amiibo are always available online for a decent amount of time. And you can after. import. Yeah, so... But yeah, but where things are getting kind of ridiculous... But I guess if you're, for whatever reason, yeah. completely against buying stuff online, then... I guess well, even not, not even not the online versus non-online thing, but, like, I mean, when Johnny Rose email, he made a good point that, like, unless you're super... I mean, he didn't directly say this, but this is kind of why I heard. Unless you're super on top of these when they first come out, you're stuck. Palatine is now not going to be findable anymore. If you got on Amazon during that hour, that's great, but then that's it. There's no second, third chance. It's just that one hour, and it's gone. So I kind of see where he's coming from, and I think... Excuse me, I think, like, this next wave is kind of a mixed bag of stuff that makes sense and will work, and it's kind of what we're used to, and then some absurdity, which I I have... I've, feelings about. So first on September 11th or 11th of September as Nintendo likes to call it because they don't want to associate with terrorism. I uh, can't say I blame them. 
Um, we're going to be getting Zero Suit Samus, Gandorf, Captain Olimar, Bowser Jr., and Dr. Mario, all on the same day as Super Mario Maker. Uh, the interesting thing is those last two, Bowser Jr. and Dr. Mario, are probably going to be retail exclusive based on the fact that they don't have Amazon listings while the others do, and some rumors that have been going around. So what I was reading is it might be Bowser Jr. at Toys R Us, it might be Dr. Mario at Target, both of which have shown that they know how to properly do exclusives. Target does have a pharmacy section. Target does. I, think, I really think Dr. Mario should have been a Rite Aid exclusive, and then they should have had a Duck Hunt dog at PetSmart, and they should have had... Robert Fries. Robert Fries. Yeah, there or yeah, there there are many opportunities at Nintendo Miss, but um, but no, Game watch at some antique store. Game and watch at just like Random a shadow store. puppet shop or something, but I don't think that's a thing. A shadow puppet shop. How do you sell shadow puppets? You just hold your hand up and be like, you sell the puppets hand. that create the shadows. Oh, okay. Because I, I always think of shadow puppets as like a hand thing. No, well, we're shadow puppets are literally just shadow puppets. You're right. You're right. This is a weird tangent. Well, anyway, my <laughs> point is. Bowser and Dr. Mario, I think, are going to be relatively easy to get. I feel like the rarest of the bunch might be Olimar, but he'll be everywhere, so we'll see. But where things get kind of... Uh, he's exclusive to, like, a gardening store. Yeah, he's exclusive to Osh. Oh, but, but, I mean, it is a little annoying that they're still doing these individual retail exclusives, but the stores know how to handle them. We, as, as the Amiibo purchasers, know kind of what to expect, so it's not going to be too crazy. But then Nintendo decided to get weird and get annoying and it's like one step forward two steps back because now what they're doing is on september 25th or sorry they come out on september 25th um a three pack a retro amiibo three pack of rob duck hunt and mr game and watch three and one 35 bucks only at gamestop so for people that are like oh man i wish that nintendo stopped doing retail exclusives they didn't just double down they tripled down. They're now doing three to one store, and you can only get this pack. And how it's working is on Saturday, which is the day uh, before this podcast goes up, you go to GameStop and you line up at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and then at 9 a.m., an hour early, the store will open, or did open, and you get your Amiibo. Or you get your pre-order for your Amiibo if you're within the first however many people, which they won't tell you till the night before when, they're, when they are... When, this is past tense now, but they posted it on the window of the store the night before, so you could go see if it's even worth standing in line. And I'm sure people are getting up super early for it, but that's a little insane. They're saying it's in-store only. These are three Amiibo you can only get one way. And it's just like, what are they doing? Like, I get individual retail exclusives. I'm sure these may pop up online, but this is just like, why would you triple down like this? It's just, it's very frustrating. <laughs> I mean, it's not... It's no worse than what they've done at the other retail exclusives, but why did they have to make it, in terms of like the idea of like this one package product is at this one store, but why did they have to make it a three-pack? That's what I don't understand. In Europe and Japan, they're all sold individually. Here in America, it's like, nah, we're going to do three. Like, did the Splatoon bundle do that well, the three-pack of Splatoon, that they're like, let's replicate it? Like, Come on, and then the U.S. is going to be the only one to sell all the Mii Fighters separately. No, no, oh, the U.S., they confirmed Mii Fighters are all in one bundle as well. Oh, Again, only in the U in the U.S. I mean, that one makes that comes sense. In November, I can't though. see anyone. Wanting see, to that one does make sense. That one makes perfect sense. This one makes zero sense. Just because I like Duck Hunt, for example, which I actually am indifferent to. Let's do Game Watch. Just because I want Game Watch with his four little or three little additional pieces, doesn't mean I necessarily want Rob or Duck Hunt. I mean, I do, but it doesn't mean I do. <laughs> it's just I don't know. This one strikes me as really weird. And even weirder is Game and Watch comes with those three pieces. So for some people, they want to get four Game and Watches. And do, you know, put each one, you know, have one open one of each pose. Problem is, which is for anti-scalper reasons, so I can't blame them too much, uh, GameStop is letting you only pre-order one. 
and by the time you get from one GameStop to the next to try and get two if you want to do this crazy set, too late, they're sold out. And on top of that, uh, by combining them into one box and kind of doing a lot of the new in-box collectors, ones that don't open them, are basically recreating the character selection screen in terms of how they display their boxes, which I know this is like a very niche case, but nonetheless, Nintendo just single-handedly screwed them over. Like, somehow, Nintendo has found a way to make the Amiibo situation more annoying and more weird, just when we thought they were getting better, and just when we kept saying, oh, they're getting closer to the light at the end of the tunnel, and now it's like, no, just kidding. They just veered left into the wall of the tunnel. So, don't know what I, they're going to do with Falco. Yeah. Falco's probably going to, I suspect Falco they... will launch alongside Star Fox. It'll be Falco, Star Fox, and the Mii Fighters in mm -hmm. November. Falco, you can only get them with Star Fox Zero. Well, you know what's interesting is uh, Mimo and Meokant that they do have some plans for, I don't remember where he said this, but we didn't talk about when he said it because it wasn't significant enough. It was just an offhand remark like, oh yeah, we have plans for uh, Amiibo for Star Fox. We're releasing a Falco one for Smash Bros. And we're going to do some interesting stuff, like some neat little uh, Easter egg bonus thing for people that get Star Fox. So I bet they're going to release them in tandem. And then the Mii Fighter as well. It's going to be Nintendo Day again. Hmm. Probably a Koi Watch on the same day. Probably the third weekend of, this, of November. That, that Friday. Mark your calendar. Mark your calendar. But no, it's just like, what is Nintendo doing? I mean, you're, you basically started importing everything, right? Just those two. Three. Which? The ones Rob, Game Watch, and Duck Hunt? No. Palatina, Dark Pit, and Zero Suit. Oh, yeah. Well, what are you going to do about Rob, Game Watch, and Duck Hunt? Are you going to import them, or are you going to try and get no, the No, they're already taken care of. So you're importing them? No. So you're... I have people. Can I use your people? No. Okay. <laughs> you have, wait, you have someone standing in line for you? No, I know people that know GameStop employees that can get them. Now, can they get extra? Two extras? Nope. Because they're using that extra one for me and the other one for themselves. Well, I tried. But, uh, the, <laughs> but like, just like this whole thing's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know. I don't sound very... I don't sound very passionate about this because I think I'm just defeated, which is why I'm so, like, monotone about this now. But it's just like... I thought things were getting better. I honestly did. Like, it really seemed like it. And then Nintendo does this. And, I mean, I, you, you point out to me before we started recording that in the past, I was like, well, maybe these, you know, it's probably these retail exclusives were made way in advance, way before this. You know, they didn't know people would backlash like this. But these are negotiable. Like, it, it's not like Nintendo's saying, hey, we're going to pull the rug out from under you, GameStop. They could very easily say, hey, GameStop, we're going to give you a individual boxes instead of a three set, at least. Because at least then there's... I mean, they could always just do timed exclusives. Yeah, but... Oh, and oh, It's just so weird. I mean, they're like, oh, it's a three-pack bundle. I mean, if you want to get them individually later, you can't, but you have to wait. wait but see, they're not even doing that. They specifically know, said I mean, they won't. Which no, well, is, that's like I mean, they, yeah, they could. Which is what's so weird about this. But, but yeah, so I guess that's kind of what it is. And, I mean, the one thing... That, I, I gotta give Nintendo credit where it's due, though. The one thing they're doing... Or Nintendo of America credit. The one thing they're doing right with Amiibo... In the United States, that's better than Europe and Japan. They may be doing stupid three packs, but for Animal Crossing, they're not going quite as crazy. We are getting six packs of cards of blind, like blind booster packs, not three packs like the rest of the world. They will give us six cards per booster pack, which is good when there's going to be a total of four hundred cards. Four hundred. That it does not include alternate art artwork or alternate variant or variant cards. For example, in Japan. They're already doing variant cards of, um... Isabel. Isabel. If you get a Famitsu magazine, the latest issue, you get an alternate card of Isabel. 
these things are going to be like Pokemon cards on steroids. It's going to be ridiculous. And in Europe, they're actually releasing a collectible binder that, you, that has slots for all the cards, and you can stick the cards in and like complete your set. Yeah. Almost like a coin collecting So you know thing. which ones you're missing. Exactly. It's kind of like, like remember when the 50 state quarters came out, and there were all those books that like, you like put the 50 state quarters into their little slots, and you had the whole set? They're doing that. Did you ever do that? Uh, my grandfather actually got me one, but it was already like complete, and I was like, well, okay, where's the fun of this? Like, It's already filled out, but all right. Uh, but spend yeah, and then, well, no, I'm not gonna spend it as a gift from him. I was like, and seven then I got the coins again. Nah, but but either way, like at least Nintendo's not doing the blind booster packs quite as crazy as um, as they are in Europe and Japan. But still, was with this three pack. It's just like I sound so defeated, probably because I am. But because the problem is, like, I'm not gonna get up. I I this is in the past now. I did not get up at like five a.m. to go stand for three feet. That's where I draw the line. Is I'm not gonna stand outside in the cold. Well, it's summer. I'm not gonna stand outside in the summer for a little however many inch tall thing that's just gonna sit somewhere like that's where i draw a line i still want one but i don't want to stand like four hours and get up like super early to do it so would i have started line maybe would you have most likely but i'm gonna be in vegas so i did have to go through my resources yeah but it's just like, it's just, I don't know. Anyway, uh, enough about me, though. That's just something, like, if you didn't know, now you know. And seriously, Nintendo, don't ever do that again. Please. Do not do a three-pack only at GameStop. Like, uh, what are you thinking? Anyway, in, in, in our final bit for this episode, before we get to the announcement of our uh, Smash Bros. DLC winner, is, well, we talked about what we were playing at the top with Smash Bros., but we uh, also watched something. So what we're watching, or what we watched... <laughs> We regrettably uh, funded an Adam Sandler movie. We or not funded, but paid for. We put money down to see Pixels. That happened. In my it, defense, um, Elvis and Jason were the ones that planned on going. Elvis was the one that suggested it, and I said okay. Well, way to throw him under the bus. Yep, yeah, even though he's sitting right here. Uh, <laughs> only went because because we were going. I don't know why now, I see, I felt obligated. I said I said this in a tweet, but I kind of felt obligated as a gamer. In the sense of, like, well, this is a movie about video games, and, like, it embraces, like, 80s nostalgia. It has all these game references. I feel like I should go see it and see how good it does with that. And then I walked out of the theater going, like, oh, I wish I didn't like video games. <laughs> that was bad. But it's, to the movie's credit, the, 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 the pixel, like, the actual characters look really cool. Like, the effects look good. I mean, the, and, and the, the actual, video game references the, Yeah, the actual work. references they make, like, actually make sense. Like, the way... Like, they interact with the Donkey Kong segment. Like, everything no, like yeah. everything about, like, how the barrels are moving. Like, everything that he's doing. Like, oh, he actually throws the blue barrel to ignite the fire. Like, they actually did make They, they picked and chose their research. Because they also made weird blunders. Like, there's a... Ra there, the, surprise, spoiler alert. The Duck Hunt dog has a cameo. The aliens in the movie are basing their video game imagery off of 1982. Duck Hunt came out in 1984, I believe. They also have a scene with Tetris blocks falling. Tetris did not come out until 1989. So, me being, like, the nerd, like, well, actually, like, halfway through the, the movie. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but no, for the most part, when they did stuff about games they got right, they had this weird emphasis on, like, it's important to study the pattern. And not every game has that sort of pattern. I mean, I guess they all do have patterns, but the way they were pushing patterns was, like, a little over the top. Like, it's not quite that pattern-heavy in some of those games. But, I, I don't know, I mean, the the humor was... The video game stuff was cool and was accurate, like you said. The humor was what you expect from that Sandler movie, which is a lot of cringy well, stuff. Of late. But... Of late. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about that centipede thing? Uh, not really. Well, you should do it, because I just brought it up. <laughs> just... well, I don't know. Like... That, that was the first thing when we walked out of the movie. I can't believe they did that. It's like, it's like they made a point to, like, like oh, the games are, like, 
they're sending these like video games to attack the people and like they're following the video game rules but then all of a sudden they break the rules by like oh having a rogue centipede running through the city and then it starts doing aerobics yeah it breaks into like this woman. little granny's apartment and she's doing aerobics and of course she's and oblivious because she's old so it's like also these things are sentient they're not exactly probing yeah. after all and then so the, the centipede like swings by the lady who's doing like aerobics with her arms and then comes back and starts mirroring what she's doing behind her and it's like huh the, the alien's doing aerobics I get it it was stupid <laughs> but uh yeah I mean the movie it's just I worry it's a set-back future game movie. Like, Wreck-It Ralph, like, kind of pushed things forward, because it was like, oh, video games, but did in a way that didn't feel like, oh, it's a nerdy thing, or oh, look yeah, at I this video game movie, like, thing. Yeah, I liked that movie, like, it made references to actual games, but it still had its own... And this one... I feel like games of the original stories probably will do the best. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And the thing with Pixels is, like, it did reference games accurately, but then it also did in a way where it's like, oh, only the nerds know how to play it, and oh, uh, this is my... This is my Futurama did it already, and that was essentially the same plot. Yeah. Do you remember that episode I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, that's weird. That for those they... that don't, for whatever reason, don't, it's just, there was an episode where Fire had to essentially do the exact thing that Adam Sandler did. Yeah. Use his video game knowledge and impart it onto the government to defeat video games attacking the Earth. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's fine because, like, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah, like, the video game stuff was good, but, like, everything else about the movie was just so, like, it's either cringy or, like, almost, like, putting down the culture that's trying to raise up by doing all the video games stuff. Like, for example, they kept making this whole point about, like, oh, well, they, they said this joke, like, three times. Oh, well, you know, nerds are the best kissers because they savor those very rare moments they get. And it's just like, why would you say that when your target audience is somewhat the people you're now making? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a one-off joke, that's fine, but they've made it, like, a running plot well, I thing. That, like, I got those people the, um, making a... Um, that... I forgot the name of the character, but I guess they made this um this female character like a literal trophy. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, lady, the one fake video game character in the whole movie. Yeah, that apparently was realistic, but everyone else was pixelated. Yeah, or how about the fact that uh, without <laughs> spoiling things, randomly one character just transforms into another and no one questions it. Like one of the video game characters, not one of the. I don't think questions it. Oh yeah, and yeah, then it doesn't just... bother anyone that is just Cuber. And that, yeah, and then they, and then they just ignore that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's weird. And the and the funny thing is, like the original short film thing that this was based on was like a Vimeo video, like a seven minute thing that this guy made where he just had video game characters attack a city, like these giant pixelated characters, and that was it. And somehow uh, Adam Sandler and his Happy Madison Productions, they're like, let's take that, let's make an alien invasion, and let's just like throw a whole bunch of dumb ideas into it. Like for example, in what world, in what reality is Kevin James ever going to be president? And in what reality is the president a going to um, shut down a restaurant so his nerd, like, nerd, her, nerd, geek squad, whatever it was called, and their buddy will come get a drink with him. And then they walk out of the meet of their little, like, powwow, and there's all these media there, and, they, and the, the, you know, the geek squad guy, Adam Sandler, gets into his little car and drives away. Like, that never happens. Or how about the fact that he just walks into the White House? Like, there's just so many weird... The film was pretty catastrophic. What? I said the film was pretty catastrophic. Is there a pun in there somewhere? Remember that's like the Kevin James who's trying to read? Oh, that's right. Catastrophic. Right. He said cata catastrophic. Catastrophic. Well, catastrophic's a real word. Oh. Uh, he said catastrophic or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that, was, that was the most realistic thing about the president is he misread something, much like we saw Bush do all the time back in the day. But it's just like such a weird, such a weird movie. And then there's always weird one-off. I don't know. Like, for, if you want to see cool video game stuff, my my take on it is if you're curious about the video game stuff, you might as well just watch it for free when it hits Netflix or something, which it will do, because Adam Sandler has, like, a bajillion movie deal with Netflix. 
But if you want to be a fool and spend money like we did, that's also an option. It's still in theaters. But but I feel like I feel like Nintendo probably you know how they kept promoting it on social media, like on Twitter and whatnot and Facebook. I feel like that was some sort of weird agreement they came to with Sony, and they were probably dreading every single tweet they published. Because like I mean, Donkey Kong is the climax of the movie, and that was cool. But and there's even a little Mario cameo. Like Mario's not supposed to like you know they didn't put him in Wreck It Ralph, but there is a little Mario sprite running by at one point, so keep an eye out for that. It's not smack in the middle of the frame, but it's noticeable if you know where to look, so that's that's an easter egg of sorts. But, yeah, I don't know. That's, I think, yeah, watch it for free if you're curious about video game stuff. Brace yourself for Adam Sandler humor. If you like Adam Sandler movies in their current form, it is up to snuff. It's not like this is worse than the others. It's just pretty cringy if you're not a big fan of it. So. Well, I haven't seen too many of his other recent ones. I mean, it could be worth following them. No, it's, it's about the same. I've seen a couple, like, on airplanes and stuff. It's about the same. Jack and Jill? I have not seen Jack and Jill. Okay, you know what? I take Blended? that back. I Blended? Take, uh, I saw, like, two-thirds of Blended. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and went to sleep. It was on a plane. But, uh, yeah. So I take that back. It might be... It's better than Jack and Jill, probably, but I can't guarantee that. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the quick take on uh, Pixels. It's it's a weird weird movie, but I felt we had to talk about it because Nintendo put so much. I like the attention on the Mever stage. There are some drawings that say "Go watch Pixels." Yeah, that's true. They do. Little do people know what trap they're falling into. Oh, also, do not see it in 3D. If you do decide to spend my on the 3D is completely pointless. We only saw 3D because it's the only showing that made sense to go. I forgot to. we saw it in 3D because it was so pointless. <laughs> like, there's no any 3D anything at any point. I remember there were two scenes where the people were getting abducted. Yeah. But that's about it. Oh, also, they're not even pixels. They're vexels. Yeah. Yeah, like, everything about this movie is wrong. But anyway, so that pretty much does it for this episode of the show. The one last bit of business we have to get to is, of course, our giveaway. So, we have a surprise for you guys. What we promised is we were doing a uh, Smash Bros. DLC bundle that included Ryu, Roy, and Lucas as playable characters, and the... Uh, to, what's the name of Street Fighter stage? I'm drawing a blank. Susaku Castle? Yeah, Susaku Castle and Dreamland 64 stages. What we're now doing, partly because we didn't realize this would be included, and partly because we just like surprising people, is we are throwing in me costumes as well. Uh, so our winner, who we're about to announce, is actually getting a whole lot of DLC, both what we told him he's getting and some surprise stuff. So that winner, by the way, we drew the name at random, and it is Alex. So Alex, keep an eye out. I bet there's like seven, seven guys named Alex listening. Like, wait, what? I won? <laughs> you'll know. You, you'll, the winning Alex, you'll know who you are because you'll get a message from us in the next few days uh, with your code. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you to everyone who entered. It was a great response to this one. This is one of our bigger contests. This and the Robin Amiibo are like our top two contests ever. And we are launching our next one. Summer Giveaway Series continues for our next contest, which right now, if you go to roundtown.com and go to this episode, which is episode 104, uh, if you go down the comment section and tell us your favorite Mexican food, that's, yes, that's really what we want to hear, you can win a copy of Guacamelee for the Wii U. See what we did there? See that, Cayenne? Yeah, we're clever. So, yeah, just go, to the blo- uh, just go to the site, leave a comment, and you can enter to win Guacamelee for Wii U, an, e- an eShop download code. Also, we will be doing what we've been doing in the last few contests and tweeting out a specially designated tweet that you can also retweet, either as an additional entry or just as your initial entry. 
So and you have two no ways to win. It has to be your favorite Mexican food. Your favorite Mexican and if you don't food have or one, dish. And if you don't have one, then just like, because clearly we, we don't know. We, yeah, yeah, how yeah. would we know the difference? And, and and if you don't like Mexican food, yeah, that's well, the then, then, then you just, might not like the game, because it's very Mexican yeah. styled. <laughs> but uh, but who doesn't like Mexican food? Everyone, I mean, honestly, any Taco Bell item will be accepted, even the Cinnabon Delights, and they're not even Mexican, <laughs> so just anything. But uh, but yeah, we'll announce our the winner for the guacamole contest in our August 23rd episode, which is our next episode that also features those platoon impressions I mentioned up at the top of the show, the latest news, you know, the, the works. It's what, you know what to get from our from our podcast at this point. So, um, to make sure you don't miss the episode and don't miss the winner announcement or miss your chance to tweet to win, follow us at Ram Nintendo on Twitter. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and you can follow us individually if I hear our gaming thoughts and whatnot. I am JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O, underscore O. That's also his Miiverse handle. I'm Jason R. Miiverse. I have yet to play with the new Miiverse, I just realized. I'm going to have to correct that. You know how they did the update? Like, yep. Yeah, so we'll have impressions of Miiverse next episode, too, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that pretty much does it. We will be back again on August 23rd. And uh, congrats to Alex for winning Smash, and, or the DLC for Smash, and good luck to all of you on Guacamelee. We want to hear you next time.